0: All right. Hey guys, welcome to The Debrief. We are recapping our episode with uh, Tarun Chitra on these three eras of electronic markets. David, what uh, what were some of your takeaways?
1: My big takeaway is that it could go in, in both directions. And one of them is very naive, but I want to believe. One of them is that we have kind of solved market crises. And that's, that's totally naive. We've have totally not done that. But- <laughs> really, really, really kicked the can down the road when it comes to DeFi. Um, kind of like what I was talking about at the end of the podcast, we have so much more information about the current state of markets. And while the, using the example of, you know, what's the risk of CDI versus what's the risk of ADI, Tarun's answer was like, well, that's a moving target and it changes every single day and it changes based off of human behavior. So it's really, really hard, but at least we can view source. You know, we can view the yeah. collaterals, view the trajectories. And like I said, the EVM will clear the blocks no matter what. Uh, and so I'm optimistic that like of all these technologies, it progresses closer and closer to really sound market structures.
0: Yeah. You know, my take on that is like, not that um, we will, we have solved the market crisis. I, I don't think that's the take. That's, a, that's a very big statement. Yeah. I think it's like, w- maybe we've solved the market crisis that have happened previously, right? Like sure. Trun's example of probably like- I created new ones, yeah. We've probably created new ones we don't yet know about. And that's the nature of black swan events, right? It's like, you can't possibly predict them. It's a confluence of many factors that no one could sort of um, anticipate in advance. But things like the mortgage-backed security crisis, 2008, where no one had the ability to view source on these mortgages, right? We, we had to- um, we had to trust kind of the, the, the risk assessments and the Moody's of the world in order to tell us what was in these things. Um, that will not be a problem in, right. in DeFi if, uh, if we're doing it right. But what other, you know, pernicious things might cro- crop up? What other risks might seep in? You know, uh, Trude is talking about the the composability element of that. This mm-hmm. it's all, you know, provides some risk. And right. it is true, David, like we don't really, like when often I look at yield farms, right? And you see you see the returns. But these yield farms, what are the risks? How, how, how do you determine, like, here's a yield farm that's yielding 120%, another 90%, another like 20%, another 2%, right? Um, what's the best um, like risk return for, for, for your money? You just put it in the 120% one? No, you, you actually need to know what the risk is for all of these products, or you actually don't know what your expected return is. Um, it's it's got to be risk adjusted return. And the fact is in DeFi, it's hard to tell <laughs> right. like what the risks are.
1: It's, is it hard to tell or do we just not know how to figure it out? And I think it's the latter. I think it is yeah. easy to tell. It's just we haven't figured out the math, the, 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 the formula yet.
0: Yeah, I think it's I think it's kind of that. Maybe that's some of the work that uh, that Charun is doing at uh, at Gauntlet Mm -hmm. is is through sort of simulation. That's what he's kind of getting at near the end, Mm -hmm. right? It's like Mm -hmm. you try to determine the risk um, through methods that are used in high frequency trading, um, where like you actually there there are no black boxes. You actually have all of the information. You just need to absorb that and sort of simulate it and see what the expected outcomes are. So maybe there's some hope there. Um, I think I always you know go back to like. The biggest thing we can bet on in crypto is Lindy effect, right? Mm-hmm. So like, mm-hmm. I know a compound is less risky than a, a harvest, for example. Right. Why? Because it's been around longer and the assets right. it uses for lending and borrowing have also been around longer right. and they've been proven they have higher market caps. So there's right. more capital being bet on them. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's less risky, but I can't quantify that. If That right. makes sense.
1: And I feel like the, the fact that you can't quantify that is actually why it works. Um, I feel like to, if we really want to get down to it, the Lindy effect is the only real measure of prediction when it comes to DeFi. Until, we, until we can get extremely granular with what Tarun is doing at stuff like Gauntlet, like all you have uh, is like the rule of thumb that the Lindy effect has. And L- the Lindy is, Lindy is such a blunt instrument. It just, it has consistency. And it, it, the Lindy effect is itself Proven by Lin- the Lindy effect, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And and I don't know. I think I think as the world comes to terms with DeFi and, and like begins to accept it, there, we're we're going to find some really sophisticated, precise risk me- measurement tools that I think are going to become commonplace. Or hopefully,
0: hopefully that's the case. Yeah. What was your take on this? Like regulators coming in and there, there's a crisis, then regulators come in and kind of crash the party, right? Right. Um, so, again, we've had issues and crisis and, and like, maybe not crisis is the right word, but we've definitely had price decreases that would like um, freak out anybody in traditional finance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely have them running for the door. And we've had that in crypto. But it's been in a niche of pioneers, very, very um, like risk on investors. Mm-hmm. So it hasn't really bled out into the traditional world. But- as crypto gets larger, like institutions are coming, institutions are investing, endowments are investing, mm-hmm. pension funds are investing. This starts right. to seep out into um, into mainstream a bit more. If we have a crisis, does do the regulators come in and and start to fix things for right. us? And do we get right. some of the negative effects of that fixing, where you get consolidation, you know, strange rules that don't make sense, bizarre market structures as a result? um like uh you know gate gatekeeping on innovation all of these things that's a worry i have what are your thoughts
1: yeah the, the 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 law that the sec uh put i can't remember the acronym now where the sec just said that you must provide the most optimum price that's that seems like uh, that's a story that i want to go into a little bit more because it seems like such an anomaly like well it, there, he didn't really like offer why? Any sort. Of, why, why did do, why do the that? hell did they do that right like Somebody must have asked them to. So Somebody had like a bright idea and and then somebody executed on, on the rule and all of a sudden it's a rule that ch- completely changed the face of the earth forever. Um, I don't think that that is going to really be a threat to DeFi largely because like if something in DeFi upsets the SEC, it doesn't matter because like DeFi is a global phenomenon. The SEC can't regulate Uniswap. And even if it could, it, the SEC of regulating Uniswap would impact people that are outside of the jurisdiction of the SEC maybe they go ahead and and try and attempt anyways, you know, maybe they try and maybe they don't care that, you know, these DeFi apps are used by people outside of their governance domain, right? Outside of the US, maybe they, maybe they just go for it anyways, but to some degree, like it's a global world and it's not really anyone's responsibility to uh, regulate DeFi. It's not, there's no three-letter agency from any country or nation state that's actually responsible for specifically DeFi native apps. And that's really the difference between the, the whole phase 2.5 era of things, which is like Robinhood, centralized exchanges. Like those can be regulated. Those are domiciled in, the, in specific areas. But I kind of think that like DeFi apps and, and re- really the best DeFi apps will kind of be immune from any sort of just, you know, harebrained regulation that somebody thinks is a good idea and therefore they go implement it.
0: I hope so. That's definitely my hope. Although there could be some jurisdictions that try to implement those things, you right. know, and uh, mess things up for for a while. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. Maybe a podcast with Jake Travinsky sometime soon would be mm-hmm. good too. But you know, the other thing this whole, this timeline impressed upon me is like, oh my God, look how far we've come. Right, right. from this era of like pit traders just shouting out orders, right? That's a liquidity pool. Mm-hmm. And, and you had one in uh, New York City, you had one in Philadelphia and one in Chicago mm-hmm. and they were all localized. Right. And like it was a stock exchange relegated to companies in your region like, right. And the, the massive amount of change in each of these eras and in progress really for more in a system, short amount of time, 30 years, 30 years and better better capital coordination, um, it just impressed upon me that like for all of the complaints, that we might have with the financial system. And there are many Mm -hmm. with crypto and DeFi. We're also kind of, and the internet, we're also living in like this golden era of finance. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like it's such Mm -hmm. an empowering era to be an individual, to be an investor, to be somebody on this, this self-sovereign money journey. And um, it's all happened in a short amount of time. And like humanity has progressed through these, through these phases super quickly. I mean, the mm-hmm. 1970s weren't that long ago, right? right? And it was still completely analog.
1: Yeah. I wonder if we look back on the 20s and the growth of DeFi and consider this like the gro- the golden age of finance. And maybe there's some sort of um, t- uh, time bias. There's a word for that um, that's escaping me. But just the fact that I'm living in it, maybe, of, of course, I think it's the golden age, ages because I'm living in it. But point is... Um, like the internet, when it infiltrated the, market, infiltrated the market, it's changed everything, but it wasn't even, it was the beginning of the story, not not close to where we are now, which I kind of think is like really the DeFi is, and, and crypto at large is a very important component of the internet itself. It's a part of the internet. It's a part of the internet ecosystem. And now it's finance, right? And so I don't really feel like the internet has really infiltrated the financial world as much as it has when once DeFi and crypto got there, right? Like that is the true infiltration. Uh, and so maybe our, we are finally, finally uh, witnessing the true power of the internet as it comes to change changing financial markets. And really, we we know the story of software eating the world. And when I see when I see Tarun telling me the story of pit traders who are, who are the liquidity pools versus an actual liquidity pool as we know it, as in a Uniswap LP position, like. What is what is really the golden age here? Like to me, it's like oh yeah, it's all the cool stuff going on in DeFi, and importantly, uh, the story post you know phase one, wave one, the post you know the pit traders was a story of just like churn and centralization and decentralization and you know a lot, just churn, just a lot of change. Whereas where it is now, which is where what it should be, in my opinion, which is the the markets are robots and the participants are Internet users, like to me, that that's the big difference from the previous phases. That where like all of all of this infrastructure are now just smart contracts rather than companies or order flow or whatever. Um, And so the golden age of of finance, I think, is really when we get robots involved much more than they ever have been. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it did. It did. Yeah, it's like it's interesting his perspective when when you. uh, I think both you and I asked this question. Uh, in different ways it was at the root. It was the same question. we were trying to get to to, to comment on how like this third era is c- a completely different than the two other eras because right. it's this parallel entirely new financial system. Mm-hmm. And he went back both times and he said, well, it's kind of similar to the first era. Don't forget. Right. That was uh, completely new as well. And like, I partially agree with that take um, given his description, but I also disagree because like, crypto goes even deeper than a redesign of financial products and a digitization of financial products. It actually goes deeper into like a redesign of the underlying denominator money system too, mm. right? This is this is like the replacement of uh, a Bitcoin or an Ethereum um, for like reserve currency status in this economy versus like the US dollar. And I don't know, I would have wanted to, if we had a bit more time or, been on mm-hmm. that side quest. Actually, gotten Tarun's thoughts because I don't know if he he agrees with that thesis. If he's mm-hmm. maybe here for the uh, the financial innovation right. and right. or Technology, or if right. he actually believes that this is a disruption to the underlying monetary right. system as well. Um, but that to me that that's a complete change. Like that didn't happen in the 80s. That wasn't sure. happening in the 90s or 2000s in those fir- in those first era. This is something that is unique to crypto.
1: Right, like crypto economics or cryptocurrency one part is crypto technology one part is currency money this was definitely a crypto crypto or at least a technology side of things like crypto is a revolution in money and technology Tarun really seems to be on the technology side of things yes t- more, it's
0: technology and like financial products side of things almost you yeah. know I, yeah. I, I, I'll
1: lump it into, into technology that's what yeah that's I guess it so
0: is. yeah I guess so it's just yeah. like uh, but he did agree with this like um and I thought this was a really colorful line. Um, you know, each of these changes removed a layer of lawyers, is mm-hmm, what he said.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Uh, which is super cool.
1: I mean, we've always known uh, we've always known that smart contracts are going to automate lawyers. Like that is what it's in the word smart contract. Uh, and we always kind of consider, you know, bankers are really the big losers, or even the nation state are the big losers. When we say the nation state is the big losers, we're really talking about the legal system, right? Because what what does what is the nation say other than one massive legal system?
0: And when we say that, what do we mean by the legal system? Because I used to get tripped up by this a little bit. Like people people talk about crypto um, replacing lawyers. Like now I see it, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you know, a very cursory. If you say that to the a person on the street, they're like, "What are you yeah. talking about?" I thought, like, I so thought I go commit was the murder, thing. right? <laughs> and like Ethereum's gonna, you know, figure out. Um, my my crime and and like put people in jail that sort of thing we're not talking about criminal courts Mm -hmm. right we're talking about like business law Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. financial covenants financial agreements between individuals, financial contracts financial contracts Contracts. that's what it's coming after first i don't know if it ever it probably will never i mean it's not going to replace the criminal court system like i i hope it maybe i maybe sci-fi stuff right yeah right
1: when we're when we were boomer ages, yeah. yeah Not it's, first, right.
0: But it is coming for these financial um, like contracts, right? And his example of well, with electronic uh, markets in the nineteen eighties, we were able to create options because we had the compute to do that. And before it was just like what well, you needed like an uh, right. entire legal team, the cost expense in order to draft a, an right. options contract from one party with another, this is completely replaced. I see this in, um, this third era, like just on steroids in crypto. Mm-hmm. I mean, like mm-hmm. if you're a lawyer better go learn some solidity because <laughs> like, um, this is definitely the future, right?
1: Totally. Totally. Yeah. The, the, I, the mental model of just like in, Oh, in 2008, What 2008 came down to is a bunch of lawyers ordering transactions and routing transactions around the world. Like that's what a broken market looks like, right? Right, exactly. Uh, And and that's why I kept on harping on that theme of like the Ethereum and the EVM will order and route transactions no matter what, right? And so it doesn't matter if like you got liquidated and now your firm is dead because Ethereum is keeping on producing blocks and you can't go back, right? Code is law. Are you code code is is law. law team? Oh, I'm definitely team code is law.
0: Have you ever heard like uh, Vlad Zamfir's arguments about like anti? I've heard them. Law? I've definitely heard them. What makes sense to you about those arguments? Oh, I didn't. I didn't get them. I didn't get them. I didn't follow. I I heard I, them.
1: I did not follow them.
0: I mean, isn't but isn't he saying that like if you believe code is law, code can become like a code can become sort of a um, you know like an accidental god? Yeah, an accidental god, a demon. It can be basically like we need the flexibility of human discretion for many different cases. And um, yeah, code as law can, you know, like that, that idea or that notion can, uh, can be harmful. And sure. so we need a legal system with human discretion in order to parse out like complicated, complex topics. I think that's maybe part of his argument. Yeah. sounds about right.
1: Um, my, my take there is that the human discretion component comes into play when we elect what code we are actually using to rule our lives. Right. Like everything about crypto is opt in. Like people choose Ethereum because it's good for them. Right. There. So uh, unless Vlad is worried about like, well, you know, Ethereum comes in and it's good and then it matures and then it's bad later. Maybe that's one thing, but it's not like there's like malicious code that, that, really ruins our lives that we would opt into because we have the ability to not opt into it.
0: I think he's also worried about like, so you and I have the ability to opt in right now, but this industry is super early. And if network effects kick in, right? Right. And like, can you really fork Ethereum in the future? If there are layers and layers of DeFi protocols, and apps and infrastructure built on top of it? No, you might be like locked into, you could start another Ethereum. Hey David, you want to go start another internet? It can be David and Ryan's internet, you know. Like, who's going to show up to that party? <laughs> you know, David and Ryan. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I, I think that's part maybe part of his point where that could sure. become sort of a, um, a, you know, a god that is 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 sort of too powerful. I don't know. Um, anyway, I guess that's a segue. I guess that's yeah, that is a
1: segue, that is a different, different rabbit hole. Different people Maybe have said Vlad on sometimes. People have, have said, Hey, bring Vlad on. I'm like, as soon as I can understand his arguments. I'm
0: <laughs> to. All right. What else? What were your other takeaways?
1: Uh, my other takeaways. Um,
0: MEV. I'm talking about that. Financial crises
1: are, are it's going to happen. Uh, this is one, uh, another topic that I have in the back of my mind that's looming is that like there is going to become, if DeFi does the thing that I expect it to, which is, to become the dominant Earth's financial fabric that we all use, well, there's a financial crisis coming behind that fabric. There's a financial crisis behind that curtain. Um,
0: what do you mean with how,
1: traditional finance? No, 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 with DeFi. Like something, some black swan event. We, once DeFi blankets the Earth, like there's all these unheard of risks that are maybe we've solved all the previous risks of the legacy markets with with you know Ethereum, DeFi, the EVM. But what new risks
0: do we have? Is if this, this is, is this kind of opposite of your take at the beginning of this, where you're saying, "Hey, maybe yes. we'll... okay." <laughs> yes, so you're flipping. Yes. You're going. Well, it goes both ways. I, I'm. I can be. I can argue for both sides. <laughs> okay. So this is something that you are like worried about um, as yeah. well from well, an he, existential perspective.
1: Yeah, because he talks about like, well, here's you know, electronic markets, uh, you know, 1.0, and here's the resulting financial crisis that happened. Here's electronic markets 2.0. And then here's the resulting financial crisis that happened. And maybe resulting is not the right word, but like, it doesn't matter. Financial crises are on the, are on the horizon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I see that. Like at some level, when we say financial crisis, it's kind of hard for me to like imagine because right. we're just talking about like price drop. Right. My God, we've been through 95% down price drop. I feel like stomach that, like right. yeah. what yeah. more do you have? But mm-hmm. if we're talking about a real worldwide financial crisis, like, you know, depression type stuff right you no know? um that's definitely crypto, not- yeah
1: crypto would have to it, it couldn't happen in the in the 2020s because crypto would need to like proliferate more and more and more yeah across the whole entire world but like there's there's room for that to happen like we can we can all i could write a sci-fi novel like today and you would be like oh yeah i could see that happening
0: yeah definitely definitely uh yeah good conversation um i want to find out more about what Trin's doing with Gauntlet, um, mm-hmm. I think I need mm-hmm. to look into that a bit more because, right. um, yeah, it it sounds like it sounds like they de- he does a lot of like mechanism design right. for new protocols that uh, that are being deployed to you and like figuring out the risk parameters of that. Um, totally like economic really
1: modeling, right? Really complicated stuff that I probably wouldn't be able to understand
0: only at a high level. I'd also be interested. Have you ever heard his story? Like, how did he get into this? Because he comes from a, right? You know, quant um, comes from the wave two world, high speed trading. He comes very from, uh, like the smart people in the wave two world, and how he got into crypto.
1: Right. I'm yeah. Curious about that. Yeah, there, there's definitely a story there. Um All right, we'll have to have some unanswered
0: there. questions. Unanswered questions. All right, man. Anything else? Nothing for me. Guys, that has been the debrief. Thanks for hanging with us.